It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Wednesday, the 7th of September, and as always, I am joined by my good friend Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee in Rocky Top. Hello, Brandon. Hey, Paul. It's a very optimistic Knox Talk for us today. You're 1-0 after a big win in New Orleans uh, over the LSU Tigers. We're 2-0, Hammerhead. 2-0. The Seminoles are 2-0. The Vols are 1-0, headed for a huge test this weekend against the Pitt Panthers. Uh, football is here and we get to enjoy it uh, for, for the foreseeable future. It is, but we get to, as we kind of all got going with every all of our sponsor activations starting everything else, we kind of get to stop and take a breath and think about execution instead of sales for probably the first time in, in three months. But as we settle into a routine uh, and execute our deals and kind of move forward with football life as, uh, as our normalcy, we thought we'd kind of take a break and we're going to welcome a special guest today who brings a fresh viewpoint to the conversation. Andrew Goldberg is our guest. Andrew has sold sponsorships for the USF Bulls and the Tampa Bay Lightning. He was the lead seller at a major outdoor amphitheater and is now in charge of selling strategic partnerships for Danny Wimmer Presents, which puts on major music festivals all over the United States, including the Bourbon Fest in Louisville in two weeks, which I will be in personal uh, attendance. <laughs> You'll be there in the flesh. I, I will be there. Welcome, Mr. Goldberg. Pleasure. So, so nice to be here, Paul and Brandon. <laughs> Andrew is the, the, uh, the, the, the breath of fresh air that we were looking for, Brandon, as we live <laughs> through football season. So, um, Andrew, there's kind of a tough, uh, it's kind of a ton of similarities, which we, uh, which we'll dive into between kind of music selling and, uh, and sports. But when you, having done both, what are the major differences for you when you uh, when you look at these two uh, opportunities? Yeah, no, you know it's funny. So when I started, it, my when, like my career was in music, and I remember there were some folks I worked with in New York that used to say the folks that largely, not all, but largely spend their careers in sports and then want to go to music have a tougher transition than the the, the shoe on the other foot. And I didn't really know what that meant until I, of course, did music and then pivoted to the, the USF side and Tampa Bay Lightning side. You know, there's three main areas that you notice right out of the gate that right away are a striking distance. First off, the uncertainty factor. OK, so every year you could go into a selling cycle knowing exactly what you're going to have in terms of number of events, what your schedule is, what the trajectory of what that season will be. Whereas in music, you really have no idea. I mean, you go into your selling cycle this October, November, focused on the year ahead. Are you going to have 28 shows or 38 shows? Is it going to be country heavy or is it going to be a lot of classic rock coming to town? It varies by the bands and artists themselves touring. So right out of the gate, you will get asked that question on any given meeting of so approximately how many shows and you can give a general range. But if someone wants more specifics, you can't provide that in certain instances, whereas that seller on the other uh, you know, demeanor could say, hey, we have 41 home games. This is what I can show you. This is what you'll get guaranteed. Uh, the second piece of that is generally the, the tougher part is the, the actual Repucon and TV side of things, right? I mean, the media piece you don't get in music, uh, plain and simple. You can work for a sports team and say, this will be your sign. It'll be camera visible. This will be the ads we run that you will be tagged in. And here's the wide reach we have. Whereas on the music side, you don't have that. 
go to a concert or an amphitheater, it's not on television. The show is not streamed on your local radio station. So you lose that ability to kind of lean sometimes into certain media assets that can help you sell. Whereas on the other hand, you got to maybe lean more into the creativity side because you don't have those assets to sell. Um, and the last piece I would just say is the fans. Um, I don't entirely agree with this, but there is a perception at times that people go to sports game, fan, uh, games, I should say, you know, it's families, it's people, they love their team, rah, rah. People that go to concerts, they're all just drunk and doing drugs. And <laughs> while I don't view that to be true, because I think any person could go to a football game and see someone in the, the terrace level having a fist fight, there is that perception at times of just, ah, I don't know, there's going to be a hip hop show and that, and I'm going to put my brand attached and people are on the lawn just smoking weed and I don't want my brand attached where, oh, but if you're going to support the Buccaneers or the Lightning, that's, I, I can feel good about my brand. So those are, I think, the biggest three that jump out that I notice and, and remain true to this day. All right. So I hit all, you hard, Paul, right out yeah, of the gate. I mean, I, you know, you took like three minutes. The podcast is almost over. Uh, all of us, thanks for having us. <laughs> so Brandon and I all, you know, we sell entitlements. We do, we do one-offs. Um, and, and whether it's a game entitlement or whether it's a, uh, a season entitlement or whatever, but you do this all the time because your entire life is one-offs, especially now with your yeah. new career, which is festivals. Yeah. So give us some examples of, of a one-off success for you and, and maybe a few sponsors that you've dealt with that kind of made it a success and why. Yeah, I think, you know, the festival side of things, you have to be somewhat uh, more leaning into that creative side to say, hey, this is a destination or a moment in someone's year that they have been looking forward to because it might be one given day or might be a weekend. And sponsors, you really want to... Uh, take advantage of that. You want to come up with an idea that says, hey, someone bought that ticket in February. The show's in October. They're going to travel. They're going to be with a group of friends. And we want to create an experience and an opportunity that, again, amplifies that fan's experience on site, but also you know, puts them in a position to best have the best outcome for their brand themselves. Um, we do a lot of things from a promotion standpoint on site that give you opportunities and experiences that you don't get elsewhere. I think brands that say, hey, you know, I'm going to entitle a space where if you enter a promotion, whether it be on site or prior to the event, you're going to get to be on the side of the stage. You're going to get to have a viewing platform with you and your 10 friends that no one else on site is going to have. Um, you know, we've done stuff like that, even with Hard Rock. So, hey, you're coming to town. Here's, a, you know, vouchers X, Y and Z for the actual hotel and casino. And then when you're on site, you get your own credential laminate and look what the access you get that nobody else gets. Um, you see that in terms of, again, People invest more sometimes, at least I feel, when there is this one-off weekend because they feel like, hey, I, if it's just 41 home games, we can kind of throw out the same thing every night and we'll just have the same brand ambassadors come out. But if you know you have four days to capture that audience, you want to really go all in on it. Um, again, promotions on site that are going to enhance the experience. Um, experiences we're doing i'll give you an example right now we're doing you mentioned the bourbon festival hey come on site you know you have the opportunity to go to a flight school and ultimately do a uh, single barrel tastings with you know a, a major distiller that's in the kentucky area all of a sudden it's like hey i'm gonna be on site i'm there for music but now i'm getting to do something that i can share on my socials that not a lot of people are going to get to do where maybe they're not going to have the opportunity to do it you know beforehand at a hockey game and brandon I was going to say, Brandon, that's directly correlating to what we do. It's just a different venue, right? Yeah, and, and you know, it, and we've seen the involvement of sponsorship, and we talk about it a lot on our podcast when we started back 
way back when and the importance of two 30 second spots at print ad and two season tickets. And that's what sponsorship was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Andrew, and, and based on what you're saying, it has evolved so much. We're experiential in what we do really from a B2B perspective is as enticing as let's say the marketing and advertising assets. It, it, when you talk to companies about festivals and music events and things like that, has experiential become more of a priority uh, over has, the marketing? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I will say, you know, COVID, of course, it's been this weird flux, right? We've definitely had certain agencies and brands we talked to that say, hey, our field marketing division's just kind of starting to come back. But on the larger scope, yes. When we're having those festival conversations, hospitality is going to be its own piece that they're always going to want to make sure they're taken care of. But those brands care less about Am I tagged in your press release or is my logo on your family of partner area of your website and more about how am I going to stand out amongst your other partners on site and what is going to make me the most memorable brand when people say I spent four or five days in Louisville or in Austin, Texas or Sacramento. What did I take away from that? They care more about that than just where's my logo going to be on a screen in a 15 second ad that no one's going to look at. At least that's what we're going to see a lot of. Well, and I think that that's, you know, I think that's true here too. I mean, in sports, it's the same thing. I mean, we, we, you want to create a point of difference and even if it's a single event, I mean, one of the hard challenges is that you have legacy sponsors that have massive signs and you hope that, that over time, all those impressions work, but eventually those legacy signs, those companies are going to want to evolve. They're going to want to change and they're going to want to create an impression that, that, that went beyond a sign. And so they have to do something like that. So I think you're right. I mean, give us some, go ahead. Do you guys, I was going to say, I mean, from a sales perspective, though, I feel like brands kind of going what I mentioned at the start and tell me if you think I'm wrong. Brands do when it comes to, let's say, the college base, there is a large part of deals that when they have that initial deal point review, they just know they're going to kind of put in here's the field signage, here's certain assets that it's just customary to say, if I'm doing a sports deal, this is what I'm getting. I, it's all, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a safety cushion, but it's just kind of expected as if I'm coming aboard as an associate sponsor or some you know form of a sponsorship, this is what I'm going to get as part of a sports you know opportunity. Yeah, Andrew, I'll, I'll jump in first and then, and then we'll get Paul's feedback. A lot of what I would consider those traditional assets, uh, which we led in most proposals with those assets in the past, companies expect those things to be in there but what happens is those things are starting to make their way to the back of the proposal. Yep. It becomes much more about intellectual property rights usages, yep. experiential, lead generation, promotion driven. And then yep. you fill it with the traditional assets to support it. Um, it is so much more about conceptual selling today yep. on a customized client by client basis versus going to market with here's package ABC, find your way into one of these. Yeah, it's 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 much more conceptually driven. Paul, do you you agree? Well, yeah, because the definition of success changed. <laughs> you know, I mean, 20 years ago when when uh, Andrew was born and we were working, Brandon, uh, <laughs> the, you know, 16 we, years ago, Paul. OK, yeah. So, you know, it was all about impressions. And, and now, you know, the, the definition of success is how much, you know, what, what did I sell this week uh, and how many people came to my site and how much data did you collect? And so you can't do that with the old traditional media. You have to kind of evolve with it. And so if the definition of success changes, then you're not going to get a renewal unless you achieve that definition. So, Andrew. When you talk about, I mean, one of the challenges you have is because you rely so much on site, you've got a four-day window. Um, I just, you know, personally sat through a, 
two hour uh, lightning delay at the last uh, um, home game that I went to, that's your life, right? You have a four day weekend and you got 12 hours of vans. Um, weather is a problem. Uh, on-site activation can be tricky. So how do you deal number one with that? And I guess, secondly, how do you handle the make goods? How do you make someone happy when you've only got a limited amount of time? Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the old saying rain or shine, I mean, it's, it's not something that you want to have to throw out, but there is truth in that. Um, you know, being here in Florida, we actually are my company. I currently work for our first event of the year is at Daytona International Speedway. And we got a bunch of lightning strikes and had multiple evacuations over the course of four days. You have to, from a safety perspective, get people out. You need to make sure everyone's safe, which is the priority, but there's certainly going to be fans upset. And more importantly, you're going to have sponsors that invested their time energy resources to be there and build out this activation. Suddenly they go, Hey, I thought I was going to be forward facing with 40,000 fans a day. And the window got cut by six hours a day. Uh, It's a difficult conversation. I think COVID actually in a weird way has helped the conversation. I think in the past, everyone was so quick to want to not give up any money. Nowadays, you know, everyone was screaming force majeure, force majeure, every contract. Um, We look at it as more of those, you know, I mean, it was the truth. Everybody was a lawyer when COVID hit, which was hysterical. Um, But, you know, ultimately now in that real example of Daytona this past year, we tried to say, hey, you know, we view our partners as part of our family. Is there an opportunity to give you credit, an opportunity to join us for next year? You know, hey, like we're not going to return your money, but next year you could come back and we can do this again. Is there another event in our portfolio this year that works regionally or nationally within your, you know, your marketing plans that you can be at? Same scenario for, in theory, free of charge. Or in the third and final scenario, is there a pushback to say, hey, we're going to return 25% X, Y, and Z of, of your investment, which some partners want. You know, some partners say, hey, I, I took on too many hard costs with the notion that I was going to do X, Y, and Z business. And because as a result, I need that money back. And others say, hey, I see a long-term partnership here. I, I'll, I'll look to the future and know that it's out of your hand. But, you know, the, the fans are always going to be disappointed. And it sucks. Nobody wants to go to a show and get rained on or have it, but it does suck. I tell you what, we did an entire podcast on Make Goods, Brandon. I mean, how much fun has this been these last two and a half years? We have learned more about forfeiture and Make Goods, and he's right. Everyone's a lawyer. We and what I also love there was two avenues. It was the everyone was trying to figure out what could or could not be upheld by force majeure. And the other side of it was, okay, we're going to do these make goods. And then some were extended five, six years. So I was like, we're going to be like 2032. And you're going to be like, this is the sign you got from 2019, 2020. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, but I mean, looks, I mean, if you don't, I, my opinion personally, and I know my collective team as well, if you just go the hard route of just, we're not giving you money back, you know, stuff happens. I mean, sure, maybe you're going to keep the money, but then, well, guess what? You're never going to do a deal with them. And if their counterpart works at another brand goes, how was your experience? How's that going to go over in a conversation? I mean, Andrew, I think your approach is the right approach, the family approach, and and you're a partner with us beyond just this three or four day period of time. And it's, it's, it's a greater, larger relationship. And if, if you can manage those relationships, then, then you can have longevity with partners. But if you take a hard line approach and, uh, I think we saw that certainly in college sports during during COVID. Um, you can you can make a short sighted decision that's going to oh affect you long term. Um, Big time. And you know I don't know if we'll, we we may all look back twenty years from now, thirty years from now when we when it's time to hang it up and say the negotiations during that COVID period were the most difficult periods of our career uh, from a professional standpoint. Um, it was just. Um, you know, yeah, once in a lifetime stuff. 
Andrew, you know, the strength of what you do is obviously activation. You guys have clients all over the map because this is what they do. This is what they want. And so but the place that we can learn the most, um, that our world can learn the most from you is that, is the on-site activation because there are companies that, that will spend what we believe to be massive sports-like money contracts, but they'll do it for one weekend in Louisville or one weekend in Austin or one weekend in Sacramento, like you talked about. So give us some learnings from activation. What are the things you guys are doing that just absolutely kill it so that we can take those lessons and make them work in college sports? So a hundred percent. I mean, first off, well, college sports is so unique, right? Cause there's always going to be certain obstacles of trades or certain times of alcohols, things like that. But I will just say kind of probably two or three different phases. First off, the creative side is, is always the avenue to lean into. I, I, you know, one of the things I always laugh at is the brands that do sponsorships that are like services. And I mean, I'm sure there's some good people out there and I've done deals with them, but you know, you're selling the timeshare or the, the cable package. And it's just like, you're there for game day. You're there for your concert. You don't want to talk about how much you're paying for your bundled Wi-Fi and that. Um, if you're going to do something that's going to be, again, enhance their experience, maybe there's an opportunity there. Hey, if you talk about this, you might have the opportunity to do X, Y, and Z. You have an opportunity. But so often you just see the brand ambassador standing there looking at their phone and it goes nowhere. Um, I will say, you know, Paul, you alluded to this, I think, previously is like things that are quicker and shorter from an engagement perspective always have the best opportunity. So I still laugh. A spinny wheel, by the way, before I tell you some cool ideas, a spinny wheel still will get a line. It blows my mind. We were just at a festival in Ohio, 30,000 a day sold out, and a couple brands would have some cool giveaways. So, I mean, you got to, you know, you can't just give away a koozie, but people wait to get a spinny wheel to say, oh, I'm going I'm to win something cool. Um, you know, I thought all these years, when you look at the Coca-Cola's, Bud Lights of the world, a lot of brands do a blend of, they build out a great activation. There's not only a cool bar, a cool lounge, a media lounge, people want to feel connected. There's some tie to their social handles, Instagram. If you can kind of cross the lines of, this is a cool hangout, but also something that could be socially interactive as well. Those brands that invest the most in that are having the most success, especially at festivals. Um, you take that a step further, look what Bud Light was doing and Coke's still doing it. You know, hey, you're up for whatever. You have this great media lounge. People are hanging out all of a sudden. Hey, two fans, you're coming on stage out of nowhere. Those are the brands that are having the most success right now. Um, from our standpoint, you know, we do a lot in the music space, interactive, have the ability where if you have a brand that's doing some kind of giveaway tied to guitars, you know, something people can touch the guitars, people could play something, people could feel like, hey, I can actually feel like I'm a part of something, not just, hey, would you like to sign up for your cable? So I think it's a blend of if you can tie a cool hangout space, but more importantly, have it blended into your social aspect. That to me is where you're seeing the biggest drive, because that person that's holding that uh, guitar or doing X, Y and Z, it's always on Instagram. And the following just continues from there after the fact. And Andrew, it's talking about these activations um, that occur on site, um, and we see some lavish numbers, certainly in college sports with national tours and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about the amount of money that companies are willing to invest? And you mentioned a few brands in there. What, what are companies willing to invest in a three or four day festival as far as a brand build out and activation? Hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, especially the brands that are going to look from a national standpoint, you know, you look at the Live Nation side of things and, and myself, but more importantly, even some of my counterparts that say, hey, X brand, you know, Jägermeister, I'm just using an example. They're going to come on site. They're going to build this awesome 40 by 40, 60 by 60 space, and we're going to do it at 
Bonnaroo, Lala, X, Y, and Z. In our world now, we try to say to someone, hey, if you're going to hit all these markets, you're going to be in Daytona, Louisville, Sacramento, Mansfield. Those are the brands that will say, hey, the sponsorship investment is X. It's 100K, it's 150K, but we are going to spend two to $400,000 to develop this and make sure that we are committed to traveling around. And the ones that spend even more, they'll commit to multi-year because they know we want to really get the best ROI out of it. We just don't want to do four events and say that was worth it. But it's it's crazy. Yeah. Hey, and you you just hit on it. So so you have the sponsorship fee, then you have the activation and implementation of the sponsorship. Yeah. What does that ROI conversation entail? What and, and I think you've hit on a few of the things already, but if you're justifying the overall expense, what, what are companies talking about? What what's important? It really depends. But I will say one of the things that we always try to go into every conversation is you think of those KPIs what matters to you most and what do you want to get out of this? Because back in the day, I feel like even when I started, it was like someone can give you 50 grand, 100 grand, and it was a 10 by 10 and X, Y, and Z assets. And you kind of just thought, well, they're happy. I said, I'm going to give you a space to activate. And at the end of the summer, you do your recap and hope it worked out. Nowadays, it's do you want to have the engagement on site? Do you want to more so have data collection, which is still going to always, I feel like, be the largest someone, hey, we're going to have a space on site in order to access it app downloads. I just had a conversation with someone last week. We're looking at a festival that's tied to this ball. Hey, I need to get my 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 data, uh, my app application uploads through the roof. Okay, well, what if we build something on site that's tied to their favorite artists? It's a meet and greet. This You have access to this if you download the app, et cetera, et cetera. If you don't know that on the front end, you're screwed. But if you have that conversation to say, you're going to invest all this time, money, and resources, what do you want to get out of it? Well, now we can also enhance it. Because going back to that family approach, one of the things that we try to do here at DWP is say, hey, what can we also give you that will just make it that much more incentivizing to a fan to want to be able to be you know, a part of this? We're Not to drag on, we're doing a partnership now with Zelle where we have this full-scale restaurant on site. And it's interactive and it's a celebrity chef and it's going to be a four course meal where limited opportunity to come in and get the best experience. It's all tied to, did you opt in? Did you do enough transactions? So there's a, there's a, there's a data point connection to that. We then as the partnership team said, well, what if we book bands to play private performances in there? It might have a hard cost to it, which it does, but how can it make it that much more incentivizing? So now they sit there and went into this and say, we want to get our brand out there in a big way, but we want to get as many transactions over the course of four days and now all of a sudden we have a, a roadmap to say, how can we get there for you? And then at the end of that partnership, did we meet those you know, guidelines of what you wanted to accomplish? Brandon, good the good news is if you were 0-1, um, I know you were going to run that promotion where you're going to be able to get into Coach's headset and be able to give plays. Um, if you did a certain number of app downloads at Tennessee, but you won. And so that promotion got killed. Did you have to do a make good on that one, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my there's, God. Paul, there's make goods for everything these days. Make goods for everything. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I think we've covered it, um, Brandon. It was awesome. Um, Andrew, thank you so much. It was really, really fun to get outside our wheelhouse a little bit. And I think that the sports world uh, can only learn um, because I think the activation and what you're doing from a one-off perspective is what we need to do in a season-long perspective, whether it's in our concourses. Uh, whether it's at our festivals, our tailgate areas, all those things, I think we're behind. Um, I, I think sports is behind. I think that the way that they uh, do ROI and the way they judge is a little bit behind what you guys are doing at music festivals. I know we've had a couple of clients here at Knox Sports uh, that have chosen to go your route, have chosen to go music festival route. We just shake our head and say, why did they do that? Why did they go 
music as in instead of sports because it kind of flipped us and then but when you figure out that hey from an activation perspective the sheer downtime and the ability to do what they do and have success there has allowed music festivals to have wild success and we're still trying to unlock some of that activation magic in sports so i really really appreciate you coming in today and giving us that perspective well i appreciate it and uh, uh brandon the offer comes to you as well if you want to come to louisville we'd love to have you out because paul i mean he, you know he'll be there but you know we really want you, Brandon. Well, Paul, Paul may actually need a driver for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. And that is certainly a role that I can I can play pretty well. <laughs> well, all right. Well, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it. And thank you to all of our listeners again for downloading. We will see you again in two weeks, uh, a month into football season. So on behalf of Brandon Parks, I am Paul Sigmund with Knox Sports. Thank you for listening to Knox Talk.